Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know where I invite people virtually into the blog cabin to chat about life. And today I'm chatting with a very dear friend who is a very dear online friend. We have yet to meet up in person, even though we like, you've been at writing conferences the next state away. And I like wish and hope I can make it. And then something comes up and I'm never able to make it. But you may remember she was actually, Gail Priest actually talked about her in one of our, one of my former episodes. And so Quanda, tell us about yourself. Well, I am uh, Todra Candle, and I have been um, an author for, I'm, I'm going to be celebrating my 10th anniversary as an author um, this December, which feels a little uh, impossible. I have um, over 100 books in active release, and um, I everything I write is romance. I, I span from um, contemporary to paranormal to erotic romance. So that's that's where I am, and I live in Central Florida with my family. And let's talk about the family because your family, I've watched, I think the reason why I became as close to you and Mandy as well, because Mandy Stevens has been on the show, mm -hmm. is that I was going, I actually was in the promotional book tour group when you had it. And I was going through the episode of losing my dad in hospice. And yeah. you mentioned, and Mandy both mentioned that you had both gone through that. And I think that's where I really got to really cling to you and love on you and, and know you more is because you had similar circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. We've, um, my husband and I have lost, um, all four of our parents. Um, and, um, my, actually my mother-in-law passed away, um, when we were still fairly young. Uh, we only had uh, the two kids at the time. And, uh, my husband always tells people now that he was the world's worst hospice patient family, you know, member, he was, he was just, he, he was only 28 years old at the time. And it was really hard. You know, we had lived away for a long time and we, we had just moved back when his mother, his mother passed away. So it was, it was a very, very tough transition, but um, you know, the way that God works, um, he later went to seminary and we didn't know what he was going to do after he got out and he ended up in hospice ministry, which he thought, this is the last place I belong. But um, yeah, so he, he did, uh, he was a, a professional hospice chaplain for about four years. And then he moved into pastoral, uh, uh, you know, ministry for a while. What am I thinking? Um, you know, parish ministry mm -hmm. for a while. Um, and it was, that was fine, but he really knew that his heart lay with people who were going through these, these times of transition. And when he would, um, there was, you know, somebody in the parish who would need that kind of care. He would just drop everything and spend as much time as he could with them. And um, that wasn't always understood. You know, there's different priorities. So eventually we ended up, um, he created his own ministry or with the help of God, I should say, he created his own ministry called the Community Chaplain. And so that's basically what he does now. He does most of his work in um, in uh, senior care facilities, nursing homes, independent living, assisted living, um, memory units. He's, he just seems to have a touch with it. And he does funerals uh, for there are so many people out there right now who don't 
have any kind of uh, church family or whatever. And so the funeral homes know, they call him and they'll say, we have this family. And, and he does, he probably does between 10 and 20 funerals a month. So, um, and it's been a great ministry because people really need that kind of care at that time. And it's, it's very cool for me to be on the other side and listen to him talking and thinking, wow, <laughs> we've, we've really come a long way. So, yeah. That's, so, that's so get, clear my mind. You write erotica romance and he's a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> that must be interesting. <laughs> well, you know, I always say I was a um, writer before he was a minister because um, technically I published my first book the December after he graduated from seminary, but I had been writing long before then. And, uh, um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, I started out at first in young adult, but it just turned out that um, I liked adult romance and, and I don't, I don't write as much erotic romance as I once did. Um, but, but my books all tend to be a little steamy, you know, they, they tend to be a little <laughs> bit on the steamy side. I, I'm not, I'm not a sweet romance girl. So, um, but you know, it's, it's been cool. We've had situations where I've had a reader who, you know, readers who were in the hospital or, you know, happened to be around us and needed a visit and we would go and my husband always says, you get two for one, you get your favorite romance author and you get to have me come and pray over you. So, you know, it works. That, that is so cool. I mean, cause I would think a lot of people would say, well, that's not, that, you know, you probably got a lot of pushback sometimes when people find out what you do and what your husband does. Um, yeah, I mean, we were only in parish ministry for about two and a half years. And at that time, people really didn't, we, we didn't advertise it, you know, that much. We didn't, uh, we had a couple of instances where people knew that I was an author and we had a couple church ladies say, well, why don't you have your books in the, in the church library? <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of book. No, not that kind of book at all. And um, uh, yeah, so, you know, actually at the um, the assisted living place where he does the majority, he does his service there every week now, um, they have asked me to bring my books and they they shop them around, you know, like they, they'll pass them around the whole place. And uh, the one lady, one older lady came up to my husband after a service and said, Father Clint, you are a very lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many of them have said, is this based on your relationship? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has asked me. Nobody has asked me, but you know, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, people are much more tolerant than what you think. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've waited for a little bit of pushback, but people are actually usually pretty, you know, pretty good about it. So, yeah. I love that. So we're going to have to take a brief commercial and then we'll be right back with talking more about how you get your inspiration for your books. Okay. So you ready? Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Do you feel betrayed by life, your body, or by someone that you love? You are not alone and you are not weak or overly emotional for feeling the way that you do. Betrayal is one of the most overwhelmingly painful experiences to navigate because it strikes at the core of who you are and what you are worth. No matter how gutted you feel, there is hope. 
you can flourish, not in spite of your experience, but because of it, I know. After 23 years of marriage, my world was shattered when I found out that my husband had been cheating on me with five different women for 15 years. I lost everything that day, my identity, my worth, and the future I had worked so hard to create. While it was a long and arduous journey back to myself, today I know who I am, what I want, and I am happier and more confident than I ever was before. I've got what I call naked self-worth, which is the ability to see, know, and love yourself for who you are, not for what you accomplished or for who you are in relation to others. No matter what has shattered your heart, if you're ready to get clear on who you are, what you want, and to learn how good life really can be, then life choreography is for you. Even if you feel too old or are too busy because you have kids at home and you're in charge of everything. Life Choreography is a comprehensive five-month, five-step program that empowers you to strip out of your labels, roles, and scripts and to reveal yourself as you are, not as you think you should be. To learn more, go to nakedselfworth.com and download your free guide that shows you how to untangle yourself from the past, reclaim your sexy, and start re-choreographing life on your own terms so you can love and be loved for exactly who you most authentically are. And we are back. It's so amazing that it says reclaim your sex scene. We're talking about romance novels. <laughs> Where do you get your inspiration for your novels? You know, um, a little bit of every place. Uh, I have a bunch of girlfriends and we always uh, have this, this idea of um, playing a game called what if. So we would be out in a restaurant and we would each pick somebody, you know, sitting around us and, and then we'd spin a story like, oh, did you see, you know, those two, this is what's happening with them. You know, had nothing to do with reality. They were probably just uh, poor, poor innocent bystanders. Um, and, and that is what I tend to do. I'll hear something um, or I'll see a situation or whatever. And, and I'll, um, you know, my mind just starts to spin it and think, well, what if this happened? What if that happened? How would this character uh, react? How would this character uh, behave? How would she feel? How would he feel? Um, and, you know, uh, some of it is inspired by, uh, by people I know, um, one of my one of my best-selling books is a sports romance, a series, and it was actually inspired by um, a, a situation that I knew, like a love triangle. Now I took a little bit further, and I I, I made it play out in my in my way, um, which it did not in real life. Um, and then uh, one of my one of my favorite uh, inspiration stories is my book uh, Fifty Frogs, which is actually every situation in there happened to one of my children. So, you know, there's it's a, a girl who has been broken up with and she uh, is a writer and she decides she's going to uh, her her um, her aunt tells her her aunt, who is actually based on Gail Priest. Which, you oh know, we talk about that. Right. Um, she told her uh, you have to kiss. You have to kiss 50 frogs before you find your prince. And so she starts going on all these first dates um, and having a lot of uh, interesting situations and. 
they all happen to one or the other of my children. So, you know, a few details were tweaked to protect the innocent, but of course. <laughs> yes. yes. So did, does Gail know that it? Oh, absolutely. We were actually on our way back from Indie Book Fest the year that, um, the, the year of the hurricane, that one year we were doing Indie Book Fest and uh, we were, uh, it happened right in the middle of a hurricane here in Florida. And I was driving her um, to my house. She had a little time before her flight. And so I drove her to my house. And as we were doing it, we were making that drive. And my one daughter was in the back seat. And there was a, um, a turtle in the middle of the road, right around the corner from my house. So we stopped. And we were trying to move this turtle toward the lake. And um, but every time we would go for him, he would crawl under my car. And so and as I was trying to move the car backwards, the turtle was moving with it. And this very attractive young man came out to help us. And Gail leaned into the car and said to my daughter, get out, get out and introduce yourself. <laughs> and so this became kind of, this was, this is a, uh, the, the, it became a, the impetus for this story about, about this girl, uh, this young woman in the book who, who uh, has to kiss 50 frogs. And, and that story is in there. And she actually, that is the guy who, who she ends up with. And that book is just about to come out on audiobook very shortly, uh, probably within the next couple of weeks. So it's so fun. I love it. It but, sounds like it's fun. I'm definitely going to have to get that one because that sounds like it's really fun. And, and, it, the, it. and the fact that I've interviewed Gail and I've known Gail online, I've not met her yeah. in person again, but knowing her personality, I, I'm going to you know know that she's going to be wide open. Well, let's talk about that because you mentor a lot of writers when you were doing the promotional book tour. You guys mentored a lot of writers. Let's talk about how you got into that. You know, I, I think it just kind of came naturally. Um, we would have people come and ask us, you know, when, when uh, PBT was, was in its infancy, the indie publishing movement had really just begun to. Um, I'm in the, one of the very first classes of, of indie writers. And, um, and so we had a lot of people who were still feeling their own way and trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, I always credit Mandy um, had not written uh, a full book at that point, but she knew so much because she had been working in this field. So, you know, she said, this is what you need. You need a website, you need a newsletter. I mean, she set me up with MailChimp for the first time and I had not an earthly clue what to do with it. I just looked at it like, okay, well, here it is. I don't know. Um, and so, you know, I learned very quickly that if I did not teach myself I would never know what was, you know, how, how to best serve myself. So I really educated myself on the business side as well as the craft side of uh, the business. And um, it was very cool to have different people coming up and being able to say, okay, this is what, this is what we can do for you. This is what you should be doing. Um, and it's, it's just been a very uh, positive thing to, to nurture people as they're, as they're kind of making their dreams come true. And Gail was one of my favorites because I had known her before and she had um, she had been my daughter's uh, English teacher during her senior year of high school, which was a very uh, turbulent time in my family because my father had just died and then my mother was sick and my mother ended up dying right before Devin's graduation. So Gail um, was there for my daughter during a time that that she really needed somebody and they're still close and um, and Gail will always be you know, part of our family. So when she said to me, oh, you know, I have these books and I first read Annie, I just knew that those books had to come to life. So, um, so that's been fun. And, uh, you know, it's, 
it's it's amazing to me because she came to me not not knowing social media, not knowing anything, and she was just, you know, I I told her some things, but she took the bull by the horns and she made it happen. And she, um, one of Gail's things is to uh, step out of your story. She used to have these little we we used to call them in our house Ms. Gailisms because she would Devin would come home, my oldest daughter would come home with, well, Ms. Gail said today this, you know. And one of the things was stepping out of your story. So if your story is, I'm too old to do this, or I can't do that, and Gail would challenge you to say, well, that's your story. You need to step out of it and, and see what happens. So I was really proud of her. I continue to be proud of her. She is she is amazing. Well, she did give you props on the interview with us. I mean, <laughs> her and I interviewed, she gave you a lot of props. And it was like full circle for me, because that's when I first started blogging, is I found the promotional book tours. And so I was yeah. doing a lot of books reading and reviewing and gotten got and then when she was contacted me again and said hey you know i'm trying to beef up my amazon pages can i use one uh, excerpt for your review and i'm like absolutely if you will come on and let me be interviewed and i think this was like the very first like in-person interview that we did because we were actually live when we did it and she oh, was wow. like i'm so sorry <laughs> she was like oh man i said but it was like full circle for me as well yeah yeah, it's I, I'm I'm so glad that I'm still um, in touch with so many of the the bloggers and the early readers from those days. Um, I was, I, you are certainly one of our you know you were one of our our first and most uh, treasured and dependable bloggers back in the day. And um, earlier this year, we lost one of our our very steadfast um, bloggers. And actually the event that you did not make it to because you had a conflict, Nikki did come to, and I had no idea that was the last time I was gonna see her. And um, it was just heartbreaking for me because she had been there from the beginning. So, you know, we really do, um, that, that's been, for me, that's been my joy in this whole journey, 10 years of meeting people who have, um, you know, enriched my life and who have, uh, just been just been amazing supporters and you know great about sharing and and uh, reading so, so I'm, said, I'm very very blessed. You said you've been writing for ten years. So how many books total have you? Because I tried to grab some to throw them up, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to direct your book to your Amazon page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's over a hundred. I am not my hundredth book. I I, um, I said I published my hundredth book last December on my ninth anniversary. And, and I mean, it was kind of technically true. It was, there was probably, it might've actually been the hundred second, hundred first or hundred third, somewhere around in there, you know, depending on, on uh, box sets and whatever. But um, yeah, so I went back to my, I went back to my very first um, series and, and my very first characters to publish my 100th book last year. And that was a, a novella called um, Snowflakes on the Sand. So I took all my paranormal people and and brought them back together. And that was super fun. Um, and I actually write the paranormals are under now um, my pen name Tamara Kendall, and my erotic is under Tessa Kent. So all of my pen names have the TK. Um, and I don't hide it. This is just so that people know if they pick up a Tessa Kent, it's going to be it's going to be really hot and steamy, you know? Um, and if they pick up a Tamara Kendall, there's going to be a paranormal element in it. And if it's a Tadra Kendall, then it's, it's, you know, uh, contemporary. Um, yeah, so I have somewhere over probably, I'm probably up around 112, 115 right now. I don't know. I haven't counted. It's been, a, it's been a busy year. I haven't counted. So 
how do you find the time in 10 years to write over 100 and around 115 books when you're juggling not only your husband's your husband's new ministry you've had several moves within these 10 years yeah. your your um kids have grown up um your daughter is married you have a grandbaby mm -hmm. now you know you're one mm -hmm. another one on the way how do you manage yeah. all that um you know i I had some really great productive years where I got very little sleep. Um, you know, um, I had been uh, just publishing maybe the, the first few years I published two or three books a year, maybe four. And then um, I picked up when, when it became the, you know, the accepted uh, wisdom that publishing faster would, would be better. Um, I published that year, I think seven or eight books. And then the year that my husband left parish ministry and um, I realized that it was gonna fall on me to support us for at least while he was establishing the new ministry, um, I ended up writing 18 books between uh, January and June of that year. And that was just a crazy, crazy, crazy time. But um, but it was, you know, it was good. And um, it's nice to have that backlist. You know, when I decide what I wanna play with and what I'm gonna do, um, it's, it's really uh, fun to do that. So this year, I, I say, you know, I always talk about past Tadra, future Tadra, present Tadra, and I, mm -hmm. um, I'm very glad that past Tadra did not, I had a, a, um, a trilogy release in April, which was the next, the next set in my medical romance, uh, the Diagnosis Love books. Um, but then I really did not set anything else up. Um, and, and I must have known that I was going to need this time between the move and the baby and everything else. So, um, the only thing that I have done this year, which has been super fun, and I've been having such a grand time with it, uh, I have a series called Love in a Small Town that is uh, 14 books long, and it takes place in a small town in Georgia, and it's probably one of my most popular small town series. Um, and so I decided this year that every month of the year, with the exception of August, uh, I would publish a just a short that was based on that holiday. So we had New Year's, Valentine's, St. Patrick's, Easter, May Day, Prom, 4th of July. Yeah. And then we have uh, this, this coming in September, we'll have fall, you know, Halloween, um, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. So that's been really fun just to do those. And they're all set in this small town. And some of the characters from the, the other books make appearances, and you know, pop in and out. And it's just been, it's been, uh, it's been a blast. I, I didn't know what, how it was going to be, but it's been, it's been fun. And they're short, you know, but they're, they're, they're just kind of fun to play with. So yeah, the next one will be the next one is due to come out um, at the end of September, but it's actually not going to come out until the beginning of October because of life moving and <laughs> baby and uh, book or author conference and and all those things. So happily, I had not set a a uh, release date on it, but so, yeah, that's been fun. So you keep mentioning you go back and grab characters from other stories. So there must be characters yeah. that you totally fall in love with that you're like, no, their story's not ended. I want to bring them back to life. Yeah. How yeah. about an author? How do you feel when you're creating these characters? Oh, I am I am definitely a character-driven author. You know, I don't necessarily um, think of a, of a situation so much as I do. I think of a person, uh, you know, or a person, a character becomes to me like a, a three-dimensional flesh and blood person, you know, that if a reader says to me, um, 
Megan from the last one, which was the first book in that uh, that Love in a Small Town series. You know, what is she doing right now? And I'll, oh yeah, well, she has twins and they are just getting ready to start school. And she's really battling with whether or not she's gonna go back to work because she's, you know, stopped and, and she she married Sam, who's a farmer and, and she's been working on the farm. And, you know, and I can tell you about all these things because for me, they are real people. Um, so yeah, I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about a character before they actually go into a book. And I'm always a little surprised. They always bring me something that I didn't, I didn't really realize was going to be the, the situation. Um, I'm uh, working on something right now that's going to come out next year. Um, another, it's, it's actually the longest book in my career soldier, which is my military romance uh, uh, series. And I've, I did a, I did eight of them set in Fort Lee, Virginia, which was the very first place my husband and I were stationed. Um, and then this next, this last series has been it set at West Point, which is where my father went and my and my husband. So it's a really special place to me. So um, I've, I've been writing some early chapters for this book that's going to come out next year. And I realized something about the, the male lead that it just hadn't even occurred to me. And it just made it it just made what's going to happen in the story so much more, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh, okay, now I get why this happens this way, which it sounds weird, but that's just, you know, that's how, that's how the mind works. That's how my mind works at least. So yeah, it's fun. So let's talk about, you know, obviously if you're churning out books like that, you have to, do you have a writing schedule or do you have, okay, I'm going to get as much as I possibly can get done today when nobody's around. Yeah. I, um, I tend to, I tend to not write. I try to write every day. Let's put it that way. But it's really hard for me to say I'm going to sit down and write three thousand words and then get up again, um, because for me, once I'm in the groove, I really want to stay in it. And you have so much life going on. You know, when when I get up from my desk, I am dealing with a million other different things. So to get back into it, I have to reread. I have to kind of immerse myself back in that world. So I do tend to, um, I tend to write a little bit and then I plan out what my, what my, uh, you know, roughly what the chapters are going to be. I'm definitely a pantser, not a plotter. Um, and then when I get to the end of it, I am probably writing between 10 and 15,000 words a day, just because that's, it's just, I'm in that place. And, uh, you know, I've tried a lot of different ways to to make myself start earlier. It just doesn't. It's just not my process. So, um, yeah, it's it, it works well. Um, by the time I finish the book, I really feel like I am stepping out of a world and back into the real world. Not always happily either. So. <laughs> I love that. Not a, uh, happily. Now, do you think that you will write a book that is like COVID based where people are like having to, or do you think you're over COVID and you just don't want to put it in a book? You know, I, I, I wrote, I had the, <laughs> this is, this is where I didn't have a lot of foresight. I had already planned my medical romance to come out last year. The first three books came out last year and um, it was not the year to write medical romance. Um, the, the stories were already written before COVID came about. So, you know, I, I kind of toyed with the idea of was I going to include it and decided no. Um, for me, one thing is that it would definitely cement those books in a specific time. And I did not want to do that. Um, I tried to make, you know, I tr as, as much as I can, you know, you're always going to have bits of technology that 
you know, that, that date your books. It's, it's just the, it's just the nature of our world now. But um, yeah, I decided not to do it. And then again, when the next three books came out this year, I made the, the decision again, just to ignore it. At the time that it happened, we actually, when COVID was really hitting, we were driving from Florida to South Jersey to um, help my aunt and uncle move from their the family farm, it's been in my husband's family for generations, to their new home. And we were talking about what would happen if we got stuck up there because we had friends, we have actually friends who live in North Carolina who were saying to us, once you get up there, you probably will not be allowed to drive back down through. And so that, that definitely did play in my mind, like what would this look like? What would it happen um, to if somebody, not me, but if somebody went someplace and got stuck somewhere with somebody, well, let's say you had just met a guy and and this was your first in-person meeting and COVID hits and nobody can get on an airplane and, and get back and, and whatever. Um, so that's that's something that I've, it, it's in the back of my mind. I don't have a definite plan to do it. And it may be that by the time I got around to it, nobody wants to read about that anymore. But uh, yeah, you know, not yet. I love that, not yet. <laughs> not yet, yeah. So, um. I'm wondering, could you read? Do you have any of your books with you? I know you're in the process of moving, but could you read a part of your book? I actually do. I have I have this one right here. This is the Anti-Cinderella, which is actually related to the 50 Frogs book. 50 Frogs was supposed to be just a one-off, but um, I ended up coming up with the idea of uh, of this Anti-Cinderella, the, the, the young woman who is the least likely to become a princess, and she just happened to live in the same world as, as the 50 Frogs people. So... Um, this is the story of Kyra, who um, used to go to, she lived in, uh, in Florida part of the year and in uh, uh, Philadelphia, the other part of the year. But growing up, she used to go on beach vacations at her grandparents' house in Florida. And she used to play with this, this young man, this kid, he was, you know, two years older than her named Nikki. And she didn't really realize it at the time, which as she got older, she did, that he was actually a prince. He's the grandson of the Queen of England. Um, not in direct line, you know, not not one of the uh, William Harry kind of people. But this is in my world, William and Harry have another set of cousins, OK, who don't really exist. So um, <laughs> but it actually is the uh, the real you know, Queen of England is what I based. I based um, him on and, and his family on. Um, and so she doesn't see him. She actually, she gets her first kiss from Nikki when she's uh, 16, 14 years old, 16 years old, 16 years old. And, um, and then she doesn't see him for years because he, she doesn't realize this is the last summer they're going to be together because then he goes off and he's, you know, being a prince and going to school and whatever. And when she meets him again, it's a surprise at her, her grandparents' house. And, um, and so that's, you know, she, they, they end up starting to date and um, it's the whole thing that you would expect with the, you know, the, the press and the media and, um, and that kind of, you know, that, that kind of fun thing, which I was a big Diana fan. Yes. So, you know, that was, that was my inspiration there. Um, and I'm trying to find the part that I was going to. Okay. So they, one of the things that, that they always talk about is that uh, um, they had a, a, they participated in a, uh, a sand a castle building contest and they won it and, and they talk about, you know, 
um, who's who's uh, whose talent it was won it and and he took the ribbon. So this is there together um, uh, back uh, kind of in a in a secluded beach vacation right now and trying to hide from the press. I totally disagree with you. I dug in my heels, both literally and figuratively, tunneling a double trench in the sand in front of me. I'm not gonna try a British accent, just so that you know I don't do that. So. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of friends who are British and they would not enjoy that. Um, Kyra, love, you can't disagree with me when I'm presenting you with facts, indisputable, non-debatable facts. Nikki used one finger to drag my sunglasses down so he could see my eyes as he spoke in his, I'll be patient if it kills me voice. It took everything I had not to stick out my tongue at him. They are not facts. It's your opinion, and I'm allowed to think you're completely wrong. I push my sunglasses back up my nose. When you are. Uh-huh. Well, let's not debate the facts then. Let's talk about the results. Refresh my memory, sweetheart. Who won the Sandcastle contest? I scowled. That's not relevant to this discussion. How is it not relevant? I believe it's actually the whole point. The contest was based on the structure of the sandcastle and the judges were totally biased, obviously. I sniffed and crossed my arms over my chest. Wait a second, now you're claiming that I won because of who I am? The judges gave me an unfair advantage because of my family? Nikki sounded slightly outraged and I had the good grace to feel slightly guilty. Well, maybe, but maybe not, probably not. I was positive the judges back then had given the first prize to Nikki because they all knew he was a prince. But I wasn't gonna push this issue because I also knew how hard it must be for him, never being sure whether or not he'd earned something on his own merit. I still think mine was the superior design. Yours was definitely prettier. Nikki brushed the hair out of my face, winding a curl around his finger. Your design choices made for a more attractive sandcastle. I'll concede to that. But it didn't win me any prizes. I didn't get the ribbon or the $10 gift certificate to the five and dime store. Yeah, it was petty, but even a decade later, the loss stung, mostly because Nikki and I meant to enter the contest together that year, but our argument over strength versus visual appeal had ended that plan. I'm sorry, Kai. He murmured the apology against my neck, just below the lobe of my ear. I'm sorry that we didn't enter together. I'm sorry that you didn't win. Would you like me to see if I can find the ribbon so I can give it back to you? And I could take you down to the five and dime and let you pick out whatever you want. Hmm. I tried not to shiver from pleasure since now Nikki was nuzzling the crook where my neck met my shoulder. You're humor humoring me. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not humoring you. I'm trying to make it up to you. I was a selfish, mean kid and I should make it better. You weren't selfish or mean. I tilted my head to give him better access. You just thought you were right and that you knew better than me. Hmm. The tip of his tongue darted out to touch my skin. Do you forgive me, Kai? I'll think about it. I sighed, smiling and letting my eyes close. Do you know how good it feels when you touch me? I know how good it feels when you touch me. Nikki drew me closer to his side. I can't believe the sun is setting already and I can't believe I have to leave you tomorrow. Why does the time drag when we're together? Or why does the time fly when we're together and the time when we're apart drag on forever? I snuggled against him. If I had the answer to that, I'd solve it. I'd slow down our time. I'd slow down time for our days together and put it on fast forward whenever we had to be away from each other. Wow. So, and that, that little, uh, the, the ribbon plays into uh, something that happens in the next book and actually even the third book. So there, there are three books in that, that uh, series so far. So when you get a character and you start writing, do you think it's going to be a series or is it just something that, okay, I'm not done with them yet. I'm going to write more. In, in some ways uh, with, with this one, um, 
I definitely figured they would get to their happy for now and it was okay. But then once I, I did it, I readers said, well, but we want a wedding. We want this, we want that. So um, I had, I did actually, as I drew to the end of it, um, I did plan out the, the next two and, and it has been fun. And actually um, there will be, I thought that when I got to the end of the third, that it would be the end, but there's probably going to be three more in that. Plus they, um, there are little offshoots from this world of series that they will actually appear in. Nikki has two sisters who have stories and um, uh, Kyra's best friend, um, her book is actually one of the ones that's gonna be coming out soon. So yeah, but I, I do, I like to I like to have my, my people come back and make little appearances, so yeah. So they become real to you. They become part oh. of your family, right? And it's like when you're yeah. reading the book and it's nothing upsets me more as a reader is when you read the book and you're at the last page and you're like, it ended like that. Like what happened? Like, like somebody's pregnant or like, for instance, um, or even when you're watching a movie or TV show, like I'm a huge heart of Dixie fan. I don't know if you watched oh, it on Netflix. Yes. And at the very yeah. end, they don't tell the baby's name. They don't, they just end it where she's had the baby. And I'm like, what? People want to know these things. I know. I know it is. It's so true. That, that always just, uh, that always just made me, made me crazy, but you know. So have you, have you ever put a character down and then said, okay, their story's done. And then a little while later, you know what, their story's not done and picked them back up and started writing about them again. Um, yes, I think that, uh, in my, my perfect dish romance books, um, I wrote the first book. It was, again, it was only, I always say in the beginning, I thought I was writing standalones and, and I was wrong every single time, <laughs> um, which is great because it's, it's a better, it's a better business proposition to write series. Uh, so the, the first book um, was called Best Served Cold and it was about, um, it's college age romance. And the main character has had a very bad breakup and um, is plotting revenge on, on her, her, the guy who, who humiliated her and broke up with her. Um, but as I wrote the book, I knew that I was finished with, with the main character and, and her new love. Um, although I wasn't quite, but I was, I was almost. And, um, but I knew that I couldn't leave her roommate and, and the guy who had, you know, who had been the villain, who had done her wrong. I couldn't leave him. And I thought, nobody's going to like him. I have just spent an entire book making sure people hated this guy. But I know something that they don't know because it was not from his point of view. So um, there have been several more books about them. And um, a lot of people get to the end of the first book and say, I don't want to read the next ones because I hate Liam. And I always say, listen, read the next book. If you still hate Liam, I will give you your money back. That's fine, but just read it because it happens to be one of my favorite books. It's called Just Desserts, and it's it's actually one of my my favorite books, and they are some of my favorite characters. So, um, and they have made some return appearances. I, I thought I was finished with them, and then I had readers wanting their wedding story, which was so much fun to write. So, and that's when the original characters came back too. So, you just never know when somebody's going to pop up. You know, it's just like life. <laughs> You're just walking down, and whoop, there they are. There you go. I love the fact you've mentioned it several times in this interview, how you listen to readers feedback. You give the readers what they want. A lot of authors are like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to give you what they want. Well, you know, I, I love my readers. I have a very close reader group. Um, and, and my newsletter readers, the same thing. Um, and so I really do pay attention to what they say. And, 
um, you know, even if it's just a few people, because I've had other, I've had author friends of mine say, well, don't listen because people, people talk with their mouth, but they, they vote with their pocketbook. Mm-hmm. But you know what? For me, if if it struck me enough of a reader has said to me, I really would like to see this and I can actually like it sparks something within me. It doesn't hurt anything to write that story. And it actually has been so much fun. I've never had a regret. I've never written something and said, oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't written that. So, um, yeah, I love that. Do you ever see your books making it on the TV or movie screens? I had um, a couple of of uh, indications of interest a few years ago on some of my holiday stories, my, my Christmas stories from somebody from Hallmark. Um, I haven't really pursued anything there at this point, but I, you know, it, although I, I am not usually a, um, a corny movie enjoyer during Christmas, I have that, you know, I have it on all the time and, and I'm texting my girl saying, I'm watching this movie and you won't believe what he just did or you won't believe what just happened. And they're like, Oh dear. So, um, yeah, I would love to see that. That would be, I have a couple friends who, who write for those and, and do them. And I would, I would love to see it. Um, when I was talking to Gail the other day, we were talking about casting for her books. So I have very <laughs> strong opinions about that. Yeah. So it would be fun to do. It would be fun. I, I love that. I, I obviously, you feel like you would want to be totally involved in that project because you want to make sure the characters are the way that you created them. I would, but I know enough to know that, you know, most of the time writers don't get a whole lot of input on that. So, you know, I'm sure if I said, well, this is supposed to be based on somebody who looks like Chris Hemsworth, they may not, they may say too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too bad we can't afford him. Yeah, exactly. Chris, Chris is too busy for you, but yeah. So, we'll so what is that next for you? Um, well, for the rest of the year, um, I have the the rest of my holiday serial or uh, novellas will be coming out. I'm writing a serial right now in my newsletter that leads into the Christmas story, which has been fun. Um, it's called Bosom Buddies. It's about three girlfriends who met in college um, when they were all working with a breast cancer um, organization. One lost her mother to breast cancer. One actually was a young survivor, and the other the other the third one came about it in a in a not so connected way. Um, but that's been fun to write. So the the third person, the third one will be, the Christmas one will be her story. And then the other two are being told in the serial. And that's been, yeah, it's it's a lot more romantic comedy than it is serious. And it's been, it's been super fun. Um, then I'll have another book coming out in the career soldier. That's called the firsty that will be out next year. Um, and uh the next book in the the anti Cinderella world, which is called um, A Dozen Dreams, and that's Shelby's story, uh, will be out also next year. Um, other than that, you know, I'm just oh, and I do have something else coming out next year in the anti Cinderella world that is um, it's actually a a uh, nanny story. So I'm I'm involved in a multi author world where we all write nanny stories. So it's going to be, um, she's a detective who, who goes to work for the Royal family. So the Royal family again, there you go. Well, it is. That's yeah. So I'm connecting it in with the anti Cinderella books. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's about it. And, uh, I'm hoping that next year is going to be a less eventful year in my personal life. So I can do a lot more, do a lot more writing. So how much research? Cause you just talked about, you write paranormal romance, um, soldier, career soldier, 
um, regular romance erotica, how much research goes into writing these books? Um, a fair amount. Uh, the anti Cinderella books were unique in that uh, my middle or my youngest daughter um, went to a college in Maine called Unity. And she, her uh, major was um, sustainable agriculture. And that came about, she was there at the same time that my husband was doing a community garden and also really throwing himself into um, sustainable farming, sustainable growing. And so we had all this discussion around us in our house about this and it really sparked my interest. So in this anti-Cinderella books, uh, Kyra, that's her field is also um, sustainable agriculture. So I did a lot of reading and a lot of um, research into how uh, you know, what's going on? What are the innovations of the world? What are farming techniques that are being used in the UK and over here? And, you know, what what kind of charities might be um, and movements might be part of uh, might be part of this world? And also the kickback, because um, I was surprised that after having written the book, I had a lot of I had not a lot, but I had a decent amount of kickback from readers who said, you know, we don't believe in in the idea of sustainable farming and, and got very upset. And so in that got written into the subsequent books where they had protesters and, and people who were upset at them. So, um, yeah, so I've done that's been a, that's been a lot of research there. And uh, when I wrote the medical books, I did a lot of research because the woman um, lead in that one in the first three is a naturopath. So she's a doctor, but that is her field is, is uh, being a naturopath. So I've actually gotten on these, these uh, mailing lists and I go to webinars and it's, it's actually been something that I've enjoyed quite a bit learning about just natural ways of healing. And um, so it's been fun. Yeah. I, I, I love research. I am, I'm definitely, that's, that's just making sure I don't get lost in it is the biggest thing. So how do you go about publishing your books? Because I know that's a lot of, um, I've pretty much asked all the authors and everybody has a different path of, within publishing. Right. I, um, I've been independently published from the beginning. I was um, a hybrid author for a while where my books, my uh, paperbacks and some of my eBooks were with a, um, a traditional publisher. Um, what I learned about that is that, you know, my mother used to say, I don't play well with others. And I, it, she, she is right. I do better. I like to have, um, hold on. my, my little, my computer all of a sudden, the, the electronic person on my computer decided to play with me just now. I'm not sure exactly why. Um, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I am completely independently published. Um, I like to have full control over covers and changing covers when I want to change them. I like to have information right away so that I can react to it. And I found that when I was working, going through a publishing company that they would, if I needed information, if I needed numbers, um, reports, they would say, you'll, you'll have it in four to six weeks. Well, in this, in this business, four to six weeks, it may as well be four to six years because that's not going to help me. So um, I'm very happy to be publishing that uh, publishing myself. And that way um, I can take the time when I need to, I can look at something and say, well, I'm moving, I'm having a new grandbaby. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is, this is where I am. And, uh, and, and then when I have time, I can, I can release a bunch of books when I'm ready. So it's, it's my, it's my preference. So, yeah. So how do you go about being independently published? 
Well, um, I, you, I have a lot of help. First of all, I do have um, proofreaders. Um, I have, um, I have a, a fabulous, fabulous assistant who makes sure that I don't forget things. Um, and um, I have a uh, Stacy uh, Ryan Blake is my uh, formatter. So when I finish a book and it's gone through all of the editing and everything, um, I send it to Stacy and she makes it beautiful. Um, I have several. <laughs> oh, yeah, she does. She is. She is. As a matter of fact, let me try to see if I can. I mean, she she just does. She'll do like the adorable little things. Like you can see the the break in the, mm -hmm. the page there, and she just she she puts in all these cute little you know things. Um, I have several cover designers. Stacy does some of my covers. Um, Meg Murray does um, others, and I've had a few other cover designers over the years. Um, and so you know, I have the cover. I have the the formatted copy. I choose a, a release date. Most of the time, I have my books on pre order. Um, not so much lately, but I have in the past. And um, and I, I have a, a launch plan that you know involves promotion and advertising and and all that stuff. So I I do a lot of research into uh, you know what's the best practices are at the time. Um, with my my work with Novelist Inc., I've gotten to know um, a lot of super, super smart people in our industry who I can say, this is what I'm doing. What can I do to do it better? And they will give me advice because they're all awesome people. Um, they release the book. And, you know, usually I have a, um, a review team that has puts up reviews on, on release day. And, uh, you know, I upload it, make sure it's uploaded and away we go so yeah so is this specifically um on kindle or is it print as well i'm i'm on um i'm wide i'm on all markets so i'm in uh, kindle apple books kobo barnes and noble google play um, a bunch of smaller presses um and I, my books are out in print and a good many of them in audiobook too so not all but a good many do you do the audio books as well or does somebody else do those? Oh no, somebody else does those. Yeah. I, I've toyed with the idea of recording my own and there's some that I might at some point do, but, um, it's, it's wonderful to have somebody else do it right now. And I have some very, very talented, uh, narrators and producers who put them together. So they are, they are awesome. And, it's wonderful to just listen to it and go, oh, wow, I love this. I love this choice you made, or I love that choice. So, yeah. So, cool. I have another question for you. When do you find time to do all of this? Because it seems like it's a job and a half. You just said there was a, earlier in the interview, you said not a lot of, a, a lot of sleepless nights or a lot of late nights. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to. I'm not a morning person. I am definitely a late night person. Um, so I tend to, uh, when everybody else has gone to bed. I make every, make sure everybody else is set. And then I usually work a couple more hours. Um, you know, it's, it's changed a little bit in the last few years. I'm getting older, you know, and I, I'm getting older and I need my sleep. So I try to balance it that if I'm up say two or three nights really late that I then give myself a break and, and sleep in a little bit. But, uh, um, you know, I, I just work hard when I know I have, hard work that has to be done. And then I do take a break. I, I went through a lot of years um, in this in this business where all I did was work. And um, I mean, for the first, my son was 11 years old when I published my first book and I homeschooled. So I was juggling homeschooling 
with that. And um, he, you know, I would say he grew up in this business because he was going to book events with me. He was, you know, a lot of authors who saw him turn 21 the other day said, oh my gosh, I remember when he like would help me set up my stuff at a, at a book event or he took care of charging stuff and, you know, technology. Um, so now that I'm not homeschooling anymore and um, there's, you know, I actually feel like I have an immense amount of time. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's just working smart. And um, I, I've been trying to find more balance in the last few years. I, I've gone from, you know, working every waking moment to saying I need to have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of life too. I love that. So tell people where they can find you at. Well, I'm real easy to find if you just put in my first name, because I am the only Tadra. I mean, back before I published, um, if you looked at my name, it was an Indian tribe, a Native American tribe that was called uh, the people of the beautiful hair. And I always thought, wow, that's funny. My parents made up my name, so they, they did not get it from the Native Americans. Um, but if you just look up my, my first name, you can find me anywhere. My website is, is up there. You have it there. Um, I'm on Amazon, uh, uh, Apple Books, Kobo, Google Play, Barnes & Noble. Um, I'm on Facebook. And um, my reader group is on Facebook. Uh, there it is right there, the Naughty Temptresses. They are all awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I love that one, the TNTs. Um, and my newsletter, I send out a newsletter every Friday and that's where my, my serial that's running right now is in that. And, um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm a little bit on TikTok. I, I started playing with that earlier in the summer, but you no, know, I'm hoping that that's, that's one of my projects for this winter. So, um, yeah, I'm there. Thank you so much for, for agreeing and trusting me enough to come on it. And because you, I always send out talking points, but we never know where the conversation is going to go. And now I'm really wanting to read the anti-Cinderella books. And I'm wanting to read a couple of the other books that you talked about, but I cannot remember. There was like one book that I remember I created a, like a thing for it. Um, and it was a picture of my parents that talked about love. You remember that? And I cannot remember the name. Was it the, did you have one called the lucky one? Um, no, I didn't have, I have one called the last one, the, the first, the last one, the first one, the only one, the perfect one. Um, it was a picture of your, was it like a, hmm, I'm trying to remember. My mom and dad, and it was talking I, about love. And I had taken a quote from your that. book and you're like, I love that. I'm going to start doing that with my books. Yeah. Oh gosh. I can't remember which one it was though. Uh, I, 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 now I'm going to have to go back and look. Yeah, we'll, we'll, definitely. we'll find it. We'll find yeah, it. We yeah, will find we'll it. Find but yeah, yeah, guys, I would totally recommend any of her books. I mean, I've been a reader of hers for a long time, and it's just such a joy to have you on and oh, just have this good. conversation with you. And hopefully, next time you're in South Carolina at the um, signing, you normally go to Florence, right? Uh, we usually stop in Florence, but yeah, we've been we've been stopping anywhere from Florence to Fayetteville because Fayetteville on the way north, Fayetteville is actually a better stop for us. So, yeah, there's a great um, farmers market or a brewery right off of 95 on, in, in Hope Mills near Fayetteville, and it's oh, it's awesome. Oh well, the next time I go up, I'm going to make a note of that. And uh, and how are you? Are you close to that? I'm like maybe an hour away from that. Yeah, that might be a good meeting spot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're open throughout the week, but on Sundays during the summer, they have a farmer's market as well. And they have a mm. restaurant on 
thing and it, the restaurant during the farmer's market will source out all the the food from the farmer's market and create their menu uh, on Sunday brunch from what they find at the farmer's market. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of farmer's market. I'm a big fan of farms because of, you know, that's, that's what my daughter does. My youngest daughter works on a farm um, in Fort Myers. She's the manager down there. So um, yeah, I, I, I love that idea. I was at a farmer's market this weekend and got lots of good stuff and we've been eating well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'll have to make a note of that. So Todd, I want to thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your time and your story with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's it's great to even even meet you across the the wire. The next time we'll we'll have a conversation in person and we'll we'll talk about families and books and fingers crossed. That's right. That's right. So guys, I will put in the show notes everywhere you can find her, as well as like I said, I put up. I just grabbed the link of where you can go to our author page on Amazon because I yeah. if I started listening to every book, yeah, we've probably yeah. been here forever. But um, <laughs> so thank you so much again for coming on. And guys, thank you for having me. Be blessed. And most importantly, remember, keep chatting. Have a great day, guys. Chats from the blog cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.